Welcome to the Reverse Selling Podcast, where real estate agents, salespeople, and entrepreneurs come to learn the best tactics and strategies to grow their business. Hosted by the creator of the Reverse Selling Methodology, Brandon Morinan. All right, you guys, welcome back. We have a very special guest today, and I mean that. Um, Andrew and I have been working together now for, how long have we been working together, Andrew? Um, just over a year. I think I joined the group in October of uh, last year. Yeah. And dude, I told you just off air how excited I am to share your story because I think the impact of this episode will has the potential to, to make a bigger impact in the real estate industry more so than maybe any other episode uh, because of what you've endured and, and what you've gone through to get to where you are today. So let's jump into it. Tell people what market are you in? Where do you sell real estate? So I'm in uh, Salt Lake. I pretty much do all of Salt Lake County um, in Utah. Got it. Okay. And give the people some context. Um, you don't, you're not, where you sell, where you live is not where you grew up, right? Where did you grow up and how long have you been selling real estate where you're at now? So I grew up in near Sacramento, California. Um, obviously pretty different from Utah. Um, I moved here just in 2018. So I've only been here for, you know, three years, um, or so. So, and I grew up, uh, I, I was in California my entire life. Got it. So unlike a lot of other people that have the benefit of selling real estate where they grew up, right? They know everybody, everybody knows them. You really, you didn't know a lot of people there outside of your, your wife. Is that right? And her friends? Yeah, that's right. I I knew um, literally probably like three people that I uh, you know that uh, grew up here, so they had family here. Other than that, I knew a couple people that were going to college here, um, but nobody ready to do anything with real estate by any means. Got it. And so, twenty twenty one to give a little bit more context around your story, this will be what your second full year in the business. Third full year. Third full year. Okay. So, I guess my first question is: you, you moved to a new place. How do you come to the decision that of all the things that you can do in life that you're going to sell real estate? So actually, uh, I always wanted to do real estate. That was my plan uh, since I was either 16 or 17 years old. Uh, that was what I decided uh, that I wanted to do. So while I was still in high school, I was like, I'm doing real estate. That's it. I'm not going to college. I'm going, I'm doing real estate. Um, just uh, there was a lot of factors, some people uh, that I met that influenced me to do that. And so that was kind of, that was always the plan. And I had a few years of some uh, kind of personal obligations, I guess, that I had to take care of um, after graduating before I was able to uh, to get into it. So I had some, a few years of, of doing some other things before I got into it, but that was always the plan. Okay. So this is, this is interesting. So when you get into the business, I, I'm always very, very curious to find out the person's mindset of saying, okay, I'm drawn to this industry for one reason or, or another, and everybody's story or everybody's answer on that is different. What was, do you, going back three years, do you remember the draw to real estate to say to yourself, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my life? Yeah, hundred percent. So it's actually before just three years ago. Like I said, I decided when I was in high school that I wanted to do it. The draw was I wanted to be a full-time real estate investor. That was my, that's, that was, was, and still is my ultimate goal. Um, and so I figured there's no better way to learn real estate investing than to be, make money inside of the business starting out. So that was Got it. to become a real estate agent was to learn, um, and I've come a long way from then, as you know, that was just a starting point. And then we progressed from there. And I've um, enjoyed a lot more aspects of the business, many more than I could have even imagined at that point. But that was the initial starting point. Of, uh, of my design. So you get in, you know, and for a lot of people, they have like this holy shit moment, right? They get in, they think it's one thing. Quickly, they find out it's a completely different thing. Did you, do you remember having that same feeling? Um, I, I always knew that it was going to be hard. Um, I guess my moment for that was more along the lines of, I thought I could figure it out faster. Like I knew it was going to be hard. I knew there was going to be a learning curve. I knew I had to work 
um, and, and make contacts and do all those things. But I was like, I didn't realize that I really didn't know how to do that. Had you ever been in sales before? I sold pest control one summer. <laughs> all right. Now, did you, so, so did you think you were getting into direct sales? Did you know that? Or did you think real estate was something different? I did know that. You did? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're one of the very few that understands that we're in a sales business. Now, so you get into it. You're, let's walk through people through your first year. Um, what was that like? Walk me through, you know, uh, were you married at this time yet? Were you guys married? I was married. Yeah. I got married in April of 2018. We moved here at the end of 18 in uh, October, sometime in that, like around October of 2018. Um, and that's when I got my license. So I, I pretty much consider my calendar years as far as being in real estate, 2019, like January to December, January uh, 2019, my first year. Um, <clears throat> so we moved here. My wife was going to college here. That's why we moved here. Um, so she's going to college. And so I had to get a job. So I got a job at a construction company. Um, I was working 10 plus hour days, uh, when I got, uh, my license. So five days a week, sometimes six days a week, 10 plus hour days. So I was gone all day long. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so, but I, I wanted to do real estate, right? So I would try, sometimes I'd get off of work at like six o'clock or something like that. And then I would try and go hit doors for like an hour or two after that um, for, for real estate, not knowing anything of what I was doing. And it took me um, uh, nine months to get my first sale because I was working full time from that. Um, wow. So, so do you like going back to that, do you, what was your, was it your girlfriend or were you guys engaged at the time? What, what is she saying to you? Like, dude, what in the fuck are you doing in that business? Is that like the conversation she was having? Or was she very supportive to say, dude, you got this, you got this. What was that like for people? Because here's the reality. Some spouses are more supportive than others. I'm just curious what you went through. Yeah. Um, I cannot speak highly enough of my wife, so I, I won't get into it because uh, I could go all day long. Sure. Um, always, always supportive. Um, always supportive, especially, uh, you know, because she knew that that was what I wanted to do, but I was willing to, um, forego and sacrifice that, like put that on sort of the side hustle while I was supporting her and I with, uh, doing construction every day. And so she saw like that I was trying to do things and I was like kind of figuring it out and, um, you know, going to trainings and I would, you know, everybody else is going to these trainings for free. I'm having to take off work. So I'm like literally paying for these free trainings essentially. Right. Cause I'm taking hours off. Um, and so she saw how hard I was doing that, um, and really trying to learn and get into it. And so she, uh, you know, she, she has never, never once, um, doubted me. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a lucky guy and, and I know, you know that, um, and, and that's just phenomenal that you have that support. So, first year takes you eight months to get your first check. Right. Yep. And so, so then you get into, cause we met in your second year, correct? Correct. End of my second year. Yes. End of your second year. So up until the point where we met, what were you doing? Like, how are you generating business? Like what, what was that like? That's a great question, Brandon. And the answer is I wasn't. Um, so this is what happened. This is what happened. So I got, um, I got that first paycheck, uh, my first year towards the end of the year. And I looked at it and I kid you not, this is like, this is like the, probably the only storybook moment of my career that everybody wants to do, which is I looked at that check and I went, wow, this is literally three months of working construction for me. Three months pay right here in my hand from one check. And I, I went in and I quit the next day. Oh, that's phenomenal. I quit the next day. I didn't even give two weeks notice. No honor. I, <laughs> you know how I am about honor. I yep. feel a little bit guilty, but not that guilty because I was kind of getting into a better position where they were giving me man about to give me like some management positions and make some more money. And I would have gotten stuck, which is my number one worst fear of my entire life is getting stuck in a job that I hate. And so I went in literally the next day and I said, this is my last day here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming in anymore. I'm done. Um, so I left. And then, um, I was like, okay, now I have to do real estate. Um, you know, I've got a little bit of money, three months worth basically. Um, and how then, much was that check? 
Not much. It was um, $6,500, I think. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So I was making about two grand a month. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so you yeah. get the $6,500 check, biggest check you've ever had in your life. And you're like, okay, well, I want to do this more. Yeah. So you quit. So then what right. did you say to yourself when you're in this full time? So I went, okay, um, now I got to do this. Right. And so I started doing all these open houses. <laughs> Um, started doing open houses. I started, I, I did like open houses every week. I was trying to do all these different things. Um, not like all these different things. Like I didn't really have, I, I'm pretty good at staying focused. So I didn't have like that super bad, um, shiny object syndrome. So I try. I was doing open houses and I was trying to do like a couple things, door knocking and stuff like that, but I just didn't know how to like follow up I didn't know how to like do anything with these leads that I was getting. And so I kid you not, you're going to, you're going to laugh at me for this. And I don't know how my wife supported me for this either. Uh, I, I didn't make another sale for 11 months. Wow. Yeah. So it was, um, I got my first, no, 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 that's not true. 13 months, 13 months. It was over a year. So I got it, my first check in October and then it took me 13 months because my next check was September 1st. The other one was October 1st to September 1st of the following year. That's incredible. So yeah, well, I'm yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Cause I want to unpack that a little bit that, that 13 months, but go ahead. Um, but what was happening during that time was I was trying, I was doing like my best and, but I like, just didn't know how, like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, so willing to work hard. And I was knocking like a hundred doors a day for like three months in a row. But, and I was like getting all these contacts from people, but I just didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. Right? And uh, that, that was my big issue was like no follow-up at all. I didn't know how to do it. So it just so happened though, that that September I managed to get three. These were all buyer leads, all inbound also. So I didn't really generate. They just kind of happened to come to me for the most part, three of them. And I ended up making like 30,000 in that month from those three, which was fantastic. And I was like, yes, I need to do this more. And that's when I had enough money to get into your program. I was like, got it. You got to change something. So that, that's when that happened. So that 13 months, how did you, I mean, most people, the vast majority of people quit hundred percent of this. I mean, almost hundred percent of the time you didn't like, how was it that you were able to get through that 13 months without saying, dude, this just isn't for me and calling it quits. Um, it's the only option. That's it. I mean, that's the bottom line. I, I, I have nothing else. There is nothing else that I want to do. There has never been anything else that I want to do. Um, I have no desire to do anything else. Never have. Um, like I said, I mean, this is like a 16 year old. This is like what I, what I wanted to do. That's it. It's done. Like uh, phenomenal. Make, so it, you, or break it. make so. it or break it. And that's what you continue to tell me. And, and that level of determination, I think is you're going to look back at yourself, your, your, yourself now in the future and say, that's probably the thing that got me through to help me succeed in life. Because you, unlike so many others, just have a, such a deep rooted commitment to this. And you're, you don't have the issue that most have, which is putting in the work. Yours has been something different. So, so I want to get into that, right? So we meet um, and up into that point, business for you has been like pretty sporadic, right? Like lead generation, you haven't figured out um, a, a strategy to generate leads on a consistent basis and then convert those into, into income. Going back to when we first started, can you remember what it was that, that you said to yourself and you said to your fiance or your wife at the time, hey, I want to work with this dude. I'm, I'm just kind of curious what it was back then. Yeah. Um, well, I knew I needed to do something different. Um, so I was watching all your stuff on YouTube and, um, I just tried it and I'm very skeptical. I'm with like stuff like, um, you know, your program and things like that. Like, I'm like, you know, there's no way that it can be like worth that, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm like that with everything. So I started doing your, I just started trying to copy you with the calls for the preview appointments and, uh, and it worked. So I was like, okay, uh, it's working. I'm getting on these preview appointments, but I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. I yeah. need more training, right? I need, I need more depth. So I saw that that worked. So that's when I decided to, I got into like the, the program initially where um, you just get the trainings. Like I didn't have access to the Facebook group or whatever. 
Like the online course. Just the online course. Yeah. yeah. Just the online course. Cause I was like, ah, I don't need what's the, what's the training he's going to do. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't need the coaching. You don't need the mentorship. You can do it all on your own. Yeah. That's got right. it. That's right. So I went through all of those and I was like, wow, this is great. Um, going on these preview appointments, but I, I still like, wasn't getting, you know, the traction and stuff. And so I decided to just take the leap and I felt really good about it. Um, just intuition, whatever you want to call it. I was like, you know, I think this is what I need to do. And I got in and, um, hundred percent. Got it. it. Got it. All right. So you didn't find even, even so, I mean, things, success and results don't come easy for you, for you. I mean, you know, you, you, and, and I think, again, this will be something you look back and appreciate later in life, but going through it, it's gotta be pretty painful. So I want to walk really the audience through like the level of work you were putting through because it took you a while to get things going, but it wasn't like you weren't doing shit. Like you were doing a lot of work. So I want to talk about that, that period of time. And then we'll get into like what today looks like. Um, and we'll unpack all of that. So walk us through in the beginning, like what you were doing and the, and the pain that you were going through in the beginning before you start to see results. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm in your program. I'm making all these calls. Um, you know, I'm on, uh, on your trainings, asking you questions and you can tell that I'm getting better because, um, you know, we role play and you're like, wow, this is, this is great. Like what, what what's going on. Right. Yep. So at the time my wife was working, uh, she had graduated, uh, she was a teacher. So she's teaching, uh, you know, third graders. Um, she's gone all day and I have a kid who's uh, about one years old. He's about one year old at the time. So I'm watching him all day while I'm making these calls. It's crazy. I, I'll never forget it. It's unbelievable. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm literally, and I, I'm doing, you're, you're, I mean, for context, for the audience, like you have the baby in your hand and yeah. then you're making prospecting phone calls on the other hand, yeah. like yeah. To, to be fair, to give like some real context of, of what's happening no here. Joke. No joke. Like I've got this crying baby in my arm and I'm like this. Unbelievable. And, yeah. And, and he's crying and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I have my kid, like he won and they're like, no, it's okay. Like all the time, all the time. Um, and you know, so I'm trying to like set these appointments with people and then, and then, um, you know, the, the outbreak happens. Right. So like yeah. stuff is going on. Um, and then, uh, so like, Man, I kind of just losing my train of thought here. Well, that's all right. Let's get into that. So, so I remember back vividly, right? So, like, I remember you coming on to like our, our coaching calls, and you'd be like, one day you'd be on fire, and then one day you would be defeated, right? It was like this constant battle between good and evil for you. You know, there would be days where things would go your way, and then you'd get like punched in the face, and then like, like this constant up and down, and. Um, I think for you, it was really like, I remember our, um, us talking about like one thing at a time, right? Like you would struggle through like, okay, Brandon, I'm making the calls. I just can't set any freaking appointments, you know? And then we, we'd kind of work through that. And then it's like, all right, dude, I'm going on all these appointments, but everyone's telling me to fuck off, you know? And so I want to walk. That's really what I'm curious is like, again, you were in another situation where you found yourself facing adversity, you were able to push through that. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we talked about a lot how I, whenever I have um, something that I'm going through, I always have to hit every single pain point. I yeah. Like you're like, dude, I don't understand. Like most people hit like a couple and then they'll like have, have like a success and then they like go through a couple more and then they like, it's kind of like, you know, like that. But you're like, dude, you're hitting like every single pain point before you get to the other side, like every single one, no matter what. So like I would have trouble with like calling people. Like I was nervous to call people. Then I got past that, but no appointments. And then, and like, not even like a lucky appointment here and there. It was like, right. And you like, okay, you get preview appointments. Good job. Like go on the preview appointments. They suck. Okay. Get better at that. And then now that you're better at that, get better on the calls so that you can set actual listing appointments, not preview appointments. Now your listing appointments suck. Okay. Now you need to get better at your listing appointment and get better on the calls because your call needs to be stronger. So the listing appointment is stronger because your listing appointment quality sucks. And yeah, I like mean, you I, didn't miss a beat. Like you went through, you're like, dude, you were the example of like going through every single pain. Like I felt for you, you know, I'm like, man, this dude cannot catch a break. 
Like you're putting give to give some more contacts. Like how many contacts were you making when your baby was in your arms? Literally, like how many people were you talking to? How much prospecting were you doing at that time? So I was doing um, like twenty to thirty contacts. It's amazing, yeah. And there was there was one point right before, and we'll get into this right before I stopped. You remember mm-hmm. that there was that? Yep. Some weeks where I stopped actually. Um, there was one point where I was doing fifty, which is like. <laughs> And my kid at this point, he's like one in, you know, a few months, like coming on six months or something like that, one in three months. And he started walking really early. So he's like running around, yeah. getting into stuff, um, climbing on couches already. Like he was really hanging from chandeliers. You know, he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm doing 20, 30 contacts a day. And then I was like, I'm not getting anything, Brandon. I'm going to ramp it up with my kid running around. So I'm doing 50 contacts a day, which I did for probably, I want to say only like a week and a half before I was like, no way. Like it was, um, like I was able to do it, but it was more like I was not taking care of him. <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. And it took me so long. I'd be done. I'd be calling from like eight o'clock in the morning to like three o'clock in the afternoon. And I would only stop to like, if he was crying, um, like put him down for a nap or give him like, you know, feed him and change him and things like that. Like really kind of, and then like, I would keep an eye on him a little bit, but I just wasn't being the father that I wanted to be. Really. Right. And that's when I decided to stop, which we can unpack or wherever. Yeah. So, so let's talk about it. So when you say stop, you're just like, you just stopped prospecting pretty much, right? Like you're just like, well, I'm doing this. I'm not getting the results that I want. And yeah, let's talk about that decision that you made to stop. And then we'll fast forward to when things start to turn around for you. Okay. So I think that there was a, it was like six or seven weeks that I, uh, before I started up again, um, school years over in June, early yeah. June. So my wife was going to be done teaching. Um, and so I was like, you know, I, I started getting really depressed, um, because I had all these things pulling my things really important to me that were pulling me different ways. And to be very clear, like that, that's not, um, I don't get depressed. Like I don't have, I don't have depression. I don't have anything like that. So for me to get depressed was like really, really, really odd. Well, well, because what was the deal you made your wife? Wasn't the deal that like you were going to go full-time real estate and she'd be able to stay home with the babies, right? Like that was the, was that the deal? And was part of your like depression feeling like I failed this, uh, this, this promise that I've made to my family? Was that part of it? So there was a, there was a few things. So first of all, I had the kid. Second of all, my wife's pregnant and mm. we're again. She's pregnant again, um, which you didn't know till recently. Right. So she's pregnant again. So I'm like, I have to make this work. I'm making all these calls. I'm getting nothing from it. I'm not taking care of my kid. So like, I'm feeling bad about working. And then when I'm taking care of him, I'm feeling bad about not working. And then I'm feeling bad because when I am working, I'm not getting anything. So I'm failing my wife. So I have all these different things. So I just said, you know what? Forget it. Like I'm not. I'm not doing any more calls until summer hits until my wife's done working so that I can go into the office. She can take care of the kid, um, during the summer. And, um, and that's it. Like I was like, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. So, so what I did was for those six, seven weeks, I just, I just like retreated. And, uh, I think we talked about this. I took it. Um, and and I took advantage of it though. I didn't retreat and, and go small. I retreated into, um, we think about like that, uh, the story arc of the movie, right? There's yep. always the hero retreats and he goes into training, right? Hercules, Luke Skywalker, Batman, Batman, they retreat when, when they, when they have maybe a big defeat or something, and then they go train and they get stronger and they get better. And then they come out swinging on the other end. Right. And that's when they yep. that's like the peak of the story arc, right. Is after they go into training for themselves. So that's what I did is I went, um, I got off, I didn't do any social media. Um, I started working out like crazy, um, which I was already working out a lot, but I did like 75 hard during this yeah. time. I worked out like a lot, um, getting myself really strong. Um, did a lot of like affirmations, waking up early. A lot of mental, a lot of mental mindset exercise as much as physical exercise. Yes, both. I did both. both. Um, committed to reading a book a week um, during that time, which I did. I succeeded on all of these things. And I was just like, I just like, I'm watching my kid all day. I have a lot of free time when he's like taking naps and things like that. So I'm just going to take advantage of it. I'm going to do it. So I did it. Um, and that was kind of that time. And I came out 
on the other end. Um, and I just went crazy. <laughs> I love it. All right. So we're going to get into that. What was, um, looking back on the, the book a week, what were, what were some of those books that really you think made an impact on you during that period of time in your life? Um, man, I'd have to go back. I think I read like relentless was one of them. Um, <clears throat> a couple books that you recommend. I really can't remember a lot of them. Sure. Um, some, some odd books like that are not very popular about like warriors and yeah. kind of that like warrior mentality, which, you know, I'm a lot about, um, sort of things. Oh, a lot of books about like, um, masculinity, I guess, like yeah. that, um, wild at heart was one of them. If you've ever read that book, great Be- book. And that interested you because really you, the narrative here to your point is a little um, rare in society, given that you were a stay at home father, right? And that whole standpoint and what that meant. And so you were going through this path of self-discovery on the man in which you wanted to become. Would that be fair? Yeah. And which, you know, to be fair, I was okay with that. I, I mean, I, I, I'm happy to take care of my kid. If I didn't have absolutely to work, I would take care of my kid all day long and let my wife go work for sure. But I've had these goals, these financial goals and the things that I promised my wife that we would have. Yeah. Married. Well, and- what I'm, what I'm saying is the, the guilt that you felt, right? So, so, so traditionally there's something called mom guilt. And I interviewed somebody on the show and, and a female and a lot of moms feel this guilt between their work and their children, you, what I was, what I was, I guess, saying is that like, you felt that, you know, and a lot of males don't feel that. Um, but you had to go through that, you know, and most males will never feel what you felt. And so that's just a really interesting dynamic that you've experienced in your life. So you want to add anything to that? Um, no, I think, I think that's, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. I definitely felt a lot of guilt, um, you know, not being the father that I wanted to be. Right. So, so you go through this whole like rebirth of who you're going to be. And this was, so, so your wife was, this was like, what, what month was this? Cause she was off school, right? She was done working in June. June. So this was in June. So let's talk about the comeback for a second. So when you said to yourself, okay, I got to make this work. My wife's pregnant again. We've got my little one. Um, what was the mindset first? And then we'll go super tactical. Mindset was, uh, I'm going to come out swinging. I'm going to be, um, samurai discipline, the warrior mentality. Um, and I have to make it work. Like I knew that there was no going back. Cause she, um, because we were having another kid, he was due in July. So this was mid June, pretty much mid June that I started up again. And our next baby was due in July, about a month later. And so, this, was this when you guys already decided that she was not going to go back to work? Correct. We so this was, a, this was another situation in your life where like you burn the ships. Like she's not going back to work. You got to make this work. That's right. She, she ended the year and she put in her, you know, she's not, she's not coming back this following school year. Wow. So summer, that summer. And, you know, that's it. Beginning of summer was the last, uh, last she was working. So, so your mindset was like, well, there is no other option. Like I got to make this work for my family. So, so you get back in the saddle. The big difference for you was being able to go where you're at right now, which was in the office. Let's talk about the impact that that alone has had on your ability to make this work. So first off, I want to say part of, and I think we talked about this once before, part of my um, issue with when I was watching my son was mental with setting appointments and going on appointments and having success with them. Um, very limiting because when my wife came home, she's feeling like garbage cause she's pregnant and she has to keep working. And so I felt like I needed to stay home to take care, continue taking care of him and take care of her. And so I had a really, really hard time, um, like letting myself set quality appointments because I didn't really want to go on them. Mm, interesting family like this was like a big like i I found this out later like later on because now i don't have that limit anymore where before i was like what was going on like and then i realized mentally like i had this limiter like i didn't want to go on appointments i didn't want i didn't even really want to set appointments even though i did but like on an unconscious level i really didn't wow that's super heavy because that makes a lot of sense now you just give me some 
some insight looking back on that, that whole time. And like what you just said is so, it makes so much sense. Cause it's like, your skills are really high. Your work ethic is like second to none. You have this amazing mindset. So you have all three uh, categories inside of our success triangle. I'm like, what is happening here? So, so then you, so that makes a lot of sense. So you get back in the office, your wife's at home with the kids, walk us through when you get, and, and so walk us through like a typical day of what that looked like and maybe what it looks like today. So, um, <clears throat> looks pretty similar today as it did back then, except Perfect. more appointments now, which is that's amazing. right. We're going to talk about that too. Yeah. So, uh, came in and, uh, you know, I came in a suit and tie. I was ready to go, always dressed up every single day. Um, and I came in at eight o'clock sharp or like before then, obviously to be ready at eight o'clock sharp to start making calls. Um, mostly I stuck to for sale by owners cause that was like what I knew the best. Yep. And I would pretty much just try and hit my goals of like 20, 30 contacts a day. Um, I didn't do like 50, even though I knew that that would be better, obviously it's better to make more, but I didn't want to set something so high that like I was going to get discouraged really quickly. I wanted it to be like where like I could hit it. And I knew that I would be able to succeed quick enough, right? Like that, like balance, like it wasn't too high, but it wasn't too low. I knew I would be able to succeed quick enough. Yeah. My skills where they were. And I think we had some conversations about that as well. That's exactly right. I was going to say that exact same thing. Walk the audience, Andrew, through the conversation we had about like quantity versus quality of conversation, because a lot of people when they're new to sales or new to phone prospecting, they focus on contacts where they should be focused on what? Quality. Quality. Appointments. Appointments. Yeah. Like, like they forget, they get into this rut of like making phone calls on this thing of like, how many contacts do I want to make? And they forget like, wait a minute, I'm actually doing this to set appointments, right? So are you, do you, have you changed your mindset on that? Like it's appointment. My goal is to set X amount of appointments per week and then contacts is a secondary goal. Or what is your mindset on that these days? Um, it's still, uh, so I go for appointments are primary that's really the gauge, I guess, like that I really like to go off of. And then contacts though are like, what's going to get me those appointments. Yeah. So like, it, I, I think it's a good, I think my mindset is where it should be with that. So it's like appointments first, but I know that I need to hit my contact goal in order to get those appointments. So do less, sorry, if I do less contacts, but still hit those appointments, I'm happy. That's exactly right. Because that's what I was going to just say next. And what is your contact to appointment set ratio? Like how many conversations do you have to have with people before they invite you over for a listing appointment? Um, I'm, uh, we've talked about this too. I'm trying to get my listing appointments more quality. So I've yep. been going a bit deeper. So um, right now I'd say they're probably like maybe 20 or 25. It's phenomenal, man. Uh, which they're getting, it's getting a little bit more, more contacts. Um, but I haven't yet quite figured out the ratio with like the higher quality. Sure. Right. So, but I mean, like if, if the audience, if, if the people watching this right now, you guys really listen to the story, how, so you're able to set a listing appointment. We're not talking about preview appointments. We're talking about listing appointments for every 25 people you talk to. Whereas before, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of conversations you were having with setting zero. Like this is going back to your point, like the uh, talking about like how movies are made, like you went back and found yourself, came back, right? And now you're able to set appointments after talking to 25 people. So are you setting pretty much a listing appointment every day that you work? Um, for the most part, yeah. If when, Whenever I hit my goals, I'm like hitting, I'm getting one. It, it's been last now with the, uh, December. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. January. Yeah, but that's pretty expected. But yeah, up until, um, you know, before uh, Thanksgiving, I was having a lot of success um, with pretty much, yeah, one setting, not necessarily going on. Sure. They, they would cancel sometimes. And again, that's part of getting, you know, a more qualified appointment uh, yep. watching. But yeah, five, five a week um, going on maybe two or three. Yep. Or so. Um, so I love it. I love it. And so before we talk about like your conversion at the listing appointment, I want to stay here and lead gents first, right? So 25 to one, that is a testament to your skills and the work you've put in 
uh, I want to talk about that for a second. So, because people hear this like, okay, 25 to one, I can do that, right? I can talk to 25 people. Can you explain the work that you put in to sharpen your skills and the importance of skills in this business? Um, a lot of going over the scripts at first. Um, I, I really, though, um, whenever uh, you talk about the scripts and how it's really important, more how you say it than what you say. That's right. right. I, I, from the very beginning, I try and like take like exactly uh, what, what's the assignment. Like, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to like, you know, all over the place and like flourish it or whatever, like a lot of people tend to do. Um, so I focused a lot more on like, I just like got the script down like pretty good. And then I was like, okay, well, how can I like make this so that it's like appealing? Like, that's really what I focused on, like being able to ARP, right? Like we talk about um, the skills from like transitioning from whatever the objection is, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to be able to handle it, right? Like that sort of mentality versus like, what are the specific words I need to say? But like the underlying skill behind yeah. that, right? That, that was more what I focused on. Yeah. I mean, because at some point, right, if you look at, again, the three elements that make up a successful real estate agent or that causing them to fail, the top is mindset. I think you would agree with that, yeah. right? Because that mindset puts you into action. So you got to like do the work, make the calls and then skills. Do you think there's a world where somebody can succeed without having all three? Like, without like a good, yeah. Like having mindset, doing the work and having skills like, or do you think it's important to have all three to get to where you're at now? I think, I think it's important to have all three. Um, but I think that mindset and doing the work is more like more important than, than the skills. Like 1000%. And that is, I was, you know, and we didn't, I didn't even tee you up for that, but like, that is exactly what I outlined in my book, reverse selling. It's the 80, 15, five principle. And I know you read my book and, and I thank you for that. But like, I talk about that, right? Uh, 80% of, of our success has to do with our mindset. Then doing the work is next on the priority list. And then your skills come last. That was the other thing that you probably didn't know at the time. That was the third piece that now you have that you didn't have before that's helped you get to where you're at now. So you're setting four or five listing appointments going on two or three per week. Um, what is your, let's talk about the presentation now, right? So first off, are these all for sale by owners? Or are you calling other lead sources now? I'm calling other lead sources, but mostly for sale by owners. Cause that's what I'm the best at, which yep. is bad, but I, I'm, uh, I've been working on branching out and getting more skilled, um, with the other ones as well. I was like me too, man. So I get it. You just, you're, you're so good. You're like a surgeon when it comes to for sale by owners. So it's like, well, let me just stay here. So yeah. what is, how is it that you're able to set a listing appointment uh, with a for sale by owner that, because real estate agents, they just can't grasp how and how we're able to do this. You know, they're like, we've got this for sale by owner. They just don't want to work with a realtor. They're, they're, they're FISBO. Like, can you give some advice on setting listing appointments with for sale by owners? Like, what does it take? Uh, is it bad if I say that it's like so easy now? For like well, it wasn't though in the beginning, but no, I, I know it is easy. So, so, yeah. The person watching this is like, fuck you, dude. It's not easy. It's so hard. Tell me how. Show me how. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would say the main difference is like understanding that like, like, like Brandon, like you always say, nothing is how, nothing is as it seems. Right. And like, if you can get past that, cause like a lot of the time, you know, if you don't read the description or something like that, and it'll say like, no realtors allowed, or like, don't call me if you're a realtor or something like that. And then you call them and they're like super nice. Like that happens all the time. Um, I would say explain like, that first before you go on, because people listening don't know what you know. So you just went over something that is massive. And so we can't just breeze over it. So explain nothing is as it seems as a concept. So the listeners and the viewers can understand what you mean. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, people just say things that they don't really mean all the time. Like every day in everyday life, we say things that we don't necessarily mean walk into the store. Hey, can I help you? Are you looking for something? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm good. It's like, okay but you're there for something. Right. So that's the best example for sure. That's the best example, most obvious, but with for sale by owners, like they're like no realtors and it's like, okay, well, are they talking about no listing agents or no buying agents? Or are they talking about no realtors? Like right now, like maybe in a month, which is where we come in. Um, 
you know, it's just like, it's kind of that time frame, and you have to like, you can't look at it like so dead on, like at face value, you have to look behind a little bit at what's going on. Beautiful. Really like the way to set it with them is if, if they're giving you like objections, I kind of think with for sale by owners, um, the objections are like part of the interview process. Like if I, if I can't get past their objections, why, why, why would they, you know, let me come to their house? Right? That's like, exactly right. Why would they hire you? Yeah. Why would they hire me? Like if I can't communicate because communication is, communication is so important and so key in our industry with people that like, if I can't communicate over the phone, why I should even have a face-to-face appointment with you, then don't let me come over. Like I need to be able to communicate that with you. And so it's a great point process. I need to get past those. Um, and then we just make it sound really reasonable, like in a way that they can't say no, like, you know, it's like, if the house doesn't sell in a month, would you be open to seeing if it would make sense for us to work together. I'm not saying it will make sense. I'm not saying that right now. Like in two weeks, if you haven't sold, would you at least look at another option to see if it does make sense? And if it doesn't just tell me to kick rocks, like that's cool. It's fine. Listen to you. Oh my gosh. It's like music to my ears right now. It's like, it's like listening to Mozart for me, play the piano. Like it's just beautiful how you're able to communicate now through all of your hard work. And you're exactly right. So it's communicating with people in a way that, the way I, I explain like reverse selling, which is what you're talking about, right? We're, we're taking all these disciplines from human behavior, human psychology, human communication, and we're communicating that aligns us philosophically with the for sale by owner. And that's what I think works so well is because that prospect on the other end of the phone, during their journey of selling FISBO, they are so inundated with people that suck at communicating that when you come across and communicate the way that you've learned to communicate, it's so appealing to the for sale by owner that you position that meeting of getting together in a way that is very, very compelling for the for sale by owner because you create intrigue. You create your world with your scripting and the way you deliver the words like a movie trailer where the person's like, well, at least I got to go see the movie. Like, I just got to see what happens. Do you agree with that mindset and, and what's occurring on the phone? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're so, just like, so like, I mean, okay. Like there's no harm in you meeting. Like you're not going to pressure me. I can tell you to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I love it. I love it. So, so that's the approach in which you take, right. To set these appointments with a for sale by owner. When you go to the appointment, let's really unpack that, right? So walk us through your approach, your mindset, what you're bringing to the appointment, how that appointment goes. Let's just go deep on the actual appointment and how you get that person from complete stranger over the phone, them agreeing to meet with you. Now it's your time to shine. How do you get them in a position to say, you're the guy I want to hire? You know, um, so we've talked about this too. This is something that I'm still working on, right? Like I have to hit every single point. Like I'm I am working heavily on my uh, listing appointment right now. Most of the listings that I've taken, and I told you about this before, have been um, in in the last six months, have been over the phone or over Zoom, having never met the person. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I when I go, I guess when I go onto the appointment, I just try and make sure that my mindset is right, my mentality, because that's like the biggest thing. I want to be very confident. Um, you know, I'm dressed my best. I always have a tie on when I go, um, you know, just trying to portray that sort of professional, um, confidence, right. And let them know that I'm an authority and that I, um, you know, know what I'm talking about, bring some information to the table that maybe they don't know. Um, so bringing some of those talking points. And usually when I'm driving over there, I'm like going over my scripts and like my presentation and things like that in my head, uh, just making sure that I have all the points ready. Yeah. Uh, and then in my, I just have like a little folder that I bring. I bring the the comparable market analysis that I plan on going over. Um, and uh, yeah, stuff, stuff like that. So. so, so let me, I want to, let me take one step back for a second. I want to, I want to talk about, your, your pre-appointment um, routine or process, right? Are you good on time still? Yeah, sorry. I was just checking um, 
my sorry, medical device. So that's all good. It's all yeah. good. Um, I want to talk about something you and I have been working on in our coaching calls, which is like you said it earlier, how to increase the appointment quality and going on less appointments, but better appointments. Have you shifted into more of using the upfront listing agreement script, setting up that appointment for success? Walk us through that really quick, because that's really important to this entire story. The listing, um, the upfront listing agreement. Yeah, yeah. Because like when you set an appointment, it's, it's one thing to get somebody to agree to meet, but then it's another thing to set an expectation of what the meeting is and what the meeting is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I have, I didn't really get to do that too much. Cause we talked about that, like right before Thanksgiving. And yeah. so like we've talked about everybody since Thanksgiving has just been like, call me in January. Like I don't want to meet and I'll have time and you know, family, I'm out of town, whatever. Um, so I didn't really get to experiment with that too much, to be honest with you. Um, but in the, in the times that I did get to, it definitely helped a lot. And I kicked a lot of people out. That's right. I was like going to meet, uh, like I, I was like, okay, we're not meeting because it's not like, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to come to fruition. I'm going to go there. I'm going to waste my time. I'm going to waste your time. Um, let's, let's follow up in a week or two, you know? Yep. Are you, are you planning to stay there moving forward into 2022? Like you're putting forth the work. Are you planning to stay on the call longer to ensure that the appointment is of the quality of the nature that you want to focus on next year? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. I hate going to, I hate going to um, appointments that I'm not confident are, uh, are going to turn into something. So got it. Okay. And the reason I, I, I took a step back there for a second is because I, I am under the belief what has served me like nothing before is that most real estate agents feel as though like they don't know how to close at the listing appointment there. That's why they don't get the listing. I am under the belief that it's more so the problem lies earlier on in the process, how they set the appointment. And then when they sat down at the table, what was discussed before the appointment started, which is the cause or effect of them getting or not getting the listing. Do you agree? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you understand what, what, what that point of view looks like? Yes. Yeah. So just to reiterate, make sure I'm, make sure I'm understanding. So uh, you're saying that most realtors think it's like their closing ability at the table, right? When yeah. with them, that they don't know how to close or do the presentation well, that they don't hire them. You're under the belief that it happens earlier on, like on the phone call, when you schedule the appointment, you need to make sure that they're maybe ready to make a decision when you meet. There, yes. And even more important, the first part of the meeting the first part of the presentation, which is like setting the agenda, right? So let me give the audience some context. The reason why I think most agents walk out of the house without a piece of paper or a contract signed is their inability, Andrew, to have this conversation I'm going to role play with you at the beginning of the meeting. And that sounds something like this. Andrew, what I would like to do today is walk you through three main things. One, my strategy to sell your house for the most amount of money possible. The second thing I'm going to walk you through is then how do the numbers work? At the end of the day, what type of of check or proceeds can you expect at the closing table? And then thirdly, I'll walk you through the terms of my agreement. And then at the end of this meeting, my goal is to determine whether or not it makes sense for you and I to move forward together or not together. And either way is no big deal. Does that seem fair to you right now? Like that would be an example of a script, if you are a conversation that I think agents are missing, that is the first thing out of their mouth. That to me, I believe is the problem. They're waiting to the end to find out that they have a problem. What is your, my question for you is what is your opinion of that specifically? Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess it's tough for me because I do, I always do that. I always do that up front. Um, here's the, here's the agenda. This is what we're going to do at the end you know, you can tell me if it would make sense for us to work together or not. Love it. Awesome. That's pretty much how I say it. I wonder if maybe I'm not, I feel like I'm not as forceful with it as you were. Like you said it with more conviction, I guess, more power. It sounded like, um, that's probably something that I could work on and I'd have to experiment, um, with that to see if like, maybe it like rings more of a bell. Like they, maybe they just don't catch it when I'm saying that they're going to be making a decision at the end with you. When you said it, it sounded more like I understood that, oh, oh, wow, I'm going <laughs> to have to tell this guy if it's going to make sense or not. 
Well, here's the key thing that I think you missed, right? Here's a great coaching opportunity for you and everybody watching. Watch. That's actually not the reason why we do that. The reason in which we do that is to be super clear with the prospect that we literally are not attached to their decision. That's what we're communicating. We're communicating to a human being, maybe for the first time ever, where they think it's a sales presentation and the salesperson on the other end of the table, in this case, you, the realtor, is telling them you don't care if they move forward with you or not. Your life is perfectly okay either way. They've never been communicated like that, most likely in their life. In their life, they've been working and communicating with people on the other end of the table in whatever they're, they're looking to consume and being sold, being convinced the entire time, you're making it abundantly clear up front that this time is different. This time, I am not attached to your decision at the end of this. I'm letting you know I'm perfectly fine walking away from this meeting and us not working together. That is the thing that brings a whole new level of confidence to the appointment where that person, if you've done right, can really open up and trust you because they don't feel like you're that you're selling them. Does that make sense? That makes total sense, actually, because then, correct me if I'm wrong, but throughout the presentation, they're not feeling like you're telling you telling them your your marketing strategy or the price of their home to try and sell them on how good you are. You're just letting them know what you do. Like this. That, is what yeah, do. yeah. The whole time they don't feel like they're being sold. Right. They feel like you are giving them information that actually serves them to accomplish the goal that they have. And you are not in the equation of that success. That's the key distinction here, right? And so when we talk about detaching from the outcome, this would be an example of how we communicate this to a prospect in a way where most salespeople, professionals, don't have the confidence to do. That's why they spend their whole time trying to convince them that they're the right person, which turns the person off. This is why I go back to the point I just made five minutes ago. This is the issue. It's not because of what happens at the end of the appointment. Because when the expectation is set as such, the entire appointment goes so much better. Yeah. You know what? If I can share a quick example of that. Absolutely. I'm really proud of me, Brandon. You will. Um, I've been going after this one uh, potential listing that was for sale by owner, one and a half million, which would be easily the biggest property I've ever. For sold. sure. Um, and she's got obviously a couple other, at this point, she's been on for a long time, um, talking to some different realtors. I'm one of the top three. Um, and she got presented recently with somebody that was offering her, and I charge 6% um, always. So somebody offered her 3% total for like both sides. Um, and I had a conversation with her about just the commission, right? Things, um, you know, the value of things like that. A lot of the, a lot of the points that we bring up. And one of the points that I told her was, was the fact that I was going to be able to fight for her and, you know, negotiate on her behalf and all those things. And I told her, look, look at me right now. Like I'm willing to walk away from like $90,000, just like $50,000, right? From my side, $50,000 or so just for just because I need to be able to tell you with conviction and honorably that I will be able to negotiate for you. And she was amazing. Like, she was like, yeah, I didn't really think about that. I'm, I'm not going to go. She hasn't, she hasn't decided what she's going to do, but I'm still in the top three. She decided not to go with that person. But I was like, look, like I'm literally willing to walk away from like however much money, like 50 or $60,000, just because I can't tell you with conviction that I'm going to be able to do that. If I don't charge you, my, my normal amount. I can't negotiate for you. Like, I can't tell you that. It's phenomenal, dude. That yeah, when most agents just for, with that level of money, I think what you're saying is like most crumble and yeah, they whore themselves out. I can do it 5%. I can do it 4%. I was like, I could tell you that right now. That's right. I'm not going to, I, mm -hmm. I'm willing to walk away. Because if you did, if you were to surrender to that, that conversation, you're showing the seller, not telling you're showing the seller you are a weak negotiator. Exactly and by standing firm, you're showing, not telling that you're a strong negotiator, which then becomes the value proposition why they should hire you. Yep. Exactly. Yep.
And that is what people should take away from this show, which is like, yeah, how we're bringing value to, to our clients. So phenomenal. So let me ask you this. So in a given week now, since your comeback, if you will, how many listings are you able to secure on a weekly, monthly basis as of late? Yeah. So I've been, um, since I began, I'm at a little over one a month secured. So I think we, like we talked about, I'm really, my, my listing appointment set, and that's why we talked about before me needing to firm those up and I've been getting better at that. My listing appointments um, that I go on converted to actual listings is, is really low. It's quite low. Um, but that, that's, again, I mean, that's just part of my process, I think, where I just need to strengthen that. And eventually I'll be, my goal is to get one a week, right? So I'm at that's one, right. one a month, which prior to this year, I had one listing my entire career. Um, and it, uh, it canceled. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and to your point in, in where you sell real estate, I mean, the average price is what? 400,000. Is that right? Five. 500,000. So we, you and I talk that if you're, if you're doing that level of production in 2022, the goal is like what? Five to 7 million next year. What is the goal? The goal is, uh, oh, like as far as my income? volume, volume, volume. I don't know volume. I haven't thought about that number. Well, because, well, really what I'm saying is that one listing, right? In your market, if you do that, that's 6 million in, in gross volume. When you sell that, right? At 3%, you know, you could do the math. That's 150 grand a year. You know, that's kind of what I'm getting at. So when you look ahead into 2022, what is your financial goal? Um, so next year, yeah, I want to make 300,000 next year. That's, yeah. that's cool. So I don't know. What is that? Um, third, 10 million? Yeah. Yep. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and and 10 million in your market, I guess that's my point, is only two sales a month. I mean, that's what's so nice. It's phenomenal. So I guess, you know, I, I you've been through, like you said, and you're still on this journey to get to where you want to go. What advice would you give yourself that other people could benefit from if you could go back to the person three years ago? that got into this business, what's maybe one, two, three pieces of advice that you would share with that person? Figure out how to follow up, create like a system to follow up, which is one of the earliest things that I learned from you, um, just with the binder. Yeah. Right. Love that thing. I kid you not. That, that was a game changer for me because I didn't have any way. I didn't know anything with it. Um, so that would be my number one advice is uh, just get a follow-up system. Um, number two would be um, don't give up, really. Like that's like probably just like very basic, but you have to break through the pain points. Um, I think that anybody can do it if they have enough uh, drive to just get through the difficult times. Um, and uh, stay consistent. Yeah, I love it. It goes along with number two, so... It's good, man. It's great advice. Because now, I mean, I, I bet you that you're going into 2022 with confidence that in this industry that maybe you didn't have before because of where your skills are, mindset, the activities that you do. I mean, do you have any doubt that you can reach the levels of success that you want in this industry anymore like you had before? Like you, you had a lot of doubt in, in, in the past. Yes. Do you feel, is that all behind you now? I wouldn't say it's all behind me. I still have ups and downs just like everybody. And so, like I told you, um, you know, I've told you many times, I, I don't mind being vulnerable, right? Absolutely. Up and, ups and downs. Some days I'm feeling fantastic. Some days I'm not really feeling it. And I'm like, oh, maybe I got lucky with these ones, which I'm right. sure a lot of people watching have felt. Um, so I'm not at that point yet where I feel 100% confident that, um, that like it was all me, like I can do it consistently. I'm working on it and, I, and my confidence is getting better. And that's like, you know, part of the affirmations and things that I have and the mindset training that I do for myself is to get to that point where I'm like, no problem. Like I'll get a listing a week without a doubt, like hundred percent. So you're in phase three of what yep. we call conscious competence, correct? Yep. You can do the work, but it's not easy yet. Like it's still hard for you and you're fighting to get to level four, which is that unconscious competence where you like, it's like driving a car, right? Yep. Just went I love through it. recently and I was like, dang, I am so in number three right now. <laughs> like, yeah, you are. But you were in level two. That's where like, it's really painful. And I think, I guess the exciting thing for me 
uh, in working with you is that you've gotten past like the hardest point and now it's just all upside for you. That that's why I'm so excited. I mean, I think you and I should probably do this again this same time, like as we get into the end of the year next year, to kind of document what 2022 will look like for you, because I really believe you will have an, an amazing breakthrough uh, in 2022, and we'll share that for sure. So. Uh, I appreciate you jumping on here with me, man. Like I told you off air, I was really looking forward to this conversation. You will impact a lot of people. And so if people want to get your feedback or connect with you, can they find you on Facebook or Instagram? Uh, yeah, Instagram, Andrew Cummins. I don't really do Facebook that much. I only have it for our Facebook group. Otherwise, I don't go on it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Instagram is just Andrew Cummins. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to me. That's you know totally fine. I'd, I'd be happy to help. Anybody. I appreciate that. Especially with the difficulty that I went through, it was a long process. And lots of people that started in the group after me had a lot more success way before me. And That's so that, right. That was hard too for me to see. Uh, you know, I try not to compare myself to other people, but it's tough not to when there's people that are learning after you and succeeding before you. So. That's true. That's true. Well, thank you so much, man. Have a great holiday season with, with your young family. I'm so excited for what you've got in store for your future. So keep your head down, keep pushing through it. And uh, I'm sure you will, you will reach amazing results in this industry. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Okay. Sounds good. Bye-bye. For more tips and advice on how you can grow your business, be sure to follow Brandon on YouTube and Instagram at Brandon Mulrennan.